Thank You for Your Service. Written and directed by screenwriter Jason Hall, who is the screenwriter for American Sniper. It's based on the book of the same title written by David Finkel. For this podcast, we had Adam Schumann on, and Adam served with the 2nd Battalion, 16th Infantry Regiment in the U.S. Army in Iraq during 2007-2008. He was one of the soldiers profiled in the book by David Finkel. Now, I was able to see this movie at an early screening in August, and it is an absolutely incredible, you know, it had me gripping my seat. I think this movie is really going to push this topic front and center about how we deal with uh, post-traumatic stress and brain injuries uh, as a society. And it was really a pleasure to have Adam on and to hear from him directly. And we, we talked about several different things, um, including some of the threats that they face in Iraq and, and, you know, how to deal with how he dealt with some of these issues. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. This is this week's Global Week on Podcast. My name is Amy Wilkinson. I'm a White House fellow. My question is how you would define the key characteristics of effective leadership that allow you to go and be an advocate for good. Trust. The, the longer I have uh, been in public service and the more people have asked me about leadership over the years, uh, leadership ultimately comes down to creating conditions of trust within an organization. Good leaders are people who are trusted by followers. Leaders take organizations past the level that the science of management says is possible. Uh, one of my sergeants back in uh, the infantry school at Fort Benning almost 50 years ago, which is where I learned everything I ever got to learn about leadership, was at the infantry school. And he said to me one day, he said, Lieutenant, you'll know you're a good leader when people follow you if only out of curiosity. <laughs> I've never had a better definition. Because what he was saying, and, I, and I've, seen it, I've seen it experienced in my life so many times. What he was saying is, they trust you. And you have built up that trust. How did you do it? Clear mission and statement. Selfless service. Um, people look to you and they trust you because you're serving selflessly as the leader, not self-serving, selflessly. And that you prepare the followers, you train them, you give them what they need to get the job done. Don't give them a job if you're not going to give them the resources. And that you're prepared to take the risks with them. And so they would teach us at the infantry school, no matter how cold it is, Lieutenant, you must never look cold. No matter how hungry you all are, Lieutenant, you must never appear hungry. No matter how terrified you are, Lieutenant, you must never look terrified. Because if you are scared, terrified, hungry, and cold, they will be scared, terrified, hungry, and cold. I've gotten away with that many, many times in the course of my career by being scared to death, cold, and wanting to go to sleep. But no, let's go. Let's keep going. Let's go around this corner, if only out of curiosity. And they'll follow you into the darkest night, down the deepest valley, up the highest hill, if we trust you. So the essence of leadership is about doing all that the science of management says you can with resources, and taking that extra step and giving it that spark. And that spark comes from getting people to trust you so that they will follow you, if only out of curiosity. Thank you.
so we are on with uh, Adam Schumann, and Adam is a U.S. Army veteran. Uh, the movie, Thank You for Your Service, is coming out very soon, and uh, this movie was based on Adam's experiences in combat and then his experiences as he came home from combat. Uh, co-hosting with me is Chantel Taylor. How's it going, everybody? Hey, Joe. Great. Hi. So, Adam, I, you know, I had the opportunity to go to an early screening of this uh, movie uh, called Thank You for Your Service. Uh, I, I saw it in uh, late August. Um, Chantel hasn't seen the movie yet. You know, you can mm-hmm. there's there's trailers out and uh, things like that. But before yeah. we get into the movie, can we talk about uh, your military service, you know, from the time that you joined to the time you got out? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh. I joined uh, shortly after 9-11 in, uh, like, November of 2002. Uh, I was sent to uh, basic down at Fort Benning, uh, signed up to be an infantryman. I uh, went down there April 2003, and then uh, the invasion of Iraq happened. So I found myself uh, in Iraq in uh, March of 2000—I'm uh, sorry, March of 2003— and that was your first deployment. That was the that was the first one. Yeah, March of '03 till uh, February '04, and then uh, yeah, I came back. Uh, I was stationed at Fort Riley the pretty much the whole time, but uh, most of my service was spent in Iraq. I I did three tours over. Um, two of them were with uh, mechanized infantry, and the last one was just uh, regular straight uh, riding around in Humvees, basically. Um, you know your your length of tour is is it usually twelve months? Yeah, uh, my first two were twelve months, and then uh, the last one we were slated for a fifteen month de- or uh, yeah, fifteen month deployment. But uh, so I like, was. How many uh, years did you spend on the ground? Um. Oh, in Iraq, I spent uh, yeah. 30, 30, 34 months total in Iraq myself. So that's a long yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, over a over a five year period, that's a, that's a pretty high op tempo. Yeah, and you um, were there during some of the the heaviest fighting. Um, <clears throat> what, what parts of Iraq were you deployed into? Uh, well, the invasion, we just kind of we ran up uh, Third ID's backside, and uh, we did some fighting in Samoa, and then we ultimately ended up in Baghdad, right around uh, uh, the airport in the Abu Ghraib market. And then uh, my second deployment, uh, it was kind of split. The first half was down in the Sunni Triangle in Mamadiya, Yusufia, Lutafia. And then we moved up to Taji to finish that one out. And then my third deployment for the surge in 07 was, uh, was right around Sadr City in New Bag- in, uh, yeah, East Baghdad, right by the Diala River. And I have uh, to say, I, I've, I've spent time in Baghdad myself, and I've... I've sort of, because uh, I, I wasn't there at that time, I was there a little bit later, but I, I've seen the scars in places, <clears throat> you all know Haifa Street, I'm pretty sure you yeah. know that quite well, and just yeah. seeing the way that guys, you know, even even if you weren't at the battle, you, you, you take that iron bridge across and you can see the mm-hmm. way that the agency would have had, and I've only watched the trailer of your film, and seriously, I, I can almost envisage just from that trailer, that's that street, you know, and I was just thinking about it, thinking it was almost like um, purpose built for ambushing that street, wasn't it? 
Yeah, pretty much. There was some, uh, there were some very key, uh, landmarks over there that were always, uh, always usually the hot spots. So it's interesting. Yeah. You had the ministry of health, I think was there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, that, that's my point is that, you know, it was almost even now the scars from that, the time that you were there are still visible. And it gets yeah, funny to think, to, to know that you were down there. Yeah. Not much headway has been made so far. No. All right, so Adam, so the movie, it it'll show some of your what I'm assuming is your last deployment, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a snapshot of the very kind of end of my uh, combat experience, and then the rest of it is basically uh, reintegrating home to my my wife and my kid, and uh, you know, trying to find a job and, and figure out, uh, what life is after, uh, after military service, especially serving in combat. Right. So, you know, I, I saw the movie and it, it was in a, a theater in here in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, after about, I don't know, 15 minutes in or something like that, I found myself like literally gripping the edge of my chair because I just done a, um, a show about this topic and you know to me when i watch this movie it's bringing out the the realities of what an american combat veteran could potentially face from you know returning from these deployments yeah um you know when you see this movie how do you feel um oh boy i feel all kinds of stuff it's uh Mostly, uh, mostly kind of cathartic. I, I can look back at uh, a really terrible time in my life, and uh, I can see where I'm at now, and I can see progress. Uh, another thing I feel when I see it is uh, I, I see just about. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I see a little bit of everybody that served in our uh, generation in that film. So it really kind of hits home with that. Right, because not not all combat veterans come home and face some of these issues, but a lot do. Yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean <clears throat> it's uh, it's different. Uh, uh, just the matter of circumstances. Coming back when I did and getting out when I did at the at the height of the economic bust in the, in America, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a tough time. And, uh, you know, some dudes come back and it's, uh, it's, it's perfect. And, you know, I envy those guys, but, uh, there are people that come back and, uh, and the war has changed them a little bit and it, it makes life just a little bit more difficult to handle your day to day, uh, tasks. And that's the thing I think as well, when, when, um, when that happens and, you know, and, and most people that have been in, in combat situa- situations will have something that triggers it. And it's almost like, um, Say if you have, a, if ordinarily you were at home and you had a, a row with your wife, and it, you know, it's a normal row, yeah, that magnified because of all the other stuff going on in your head, and, and I can see how it almost exacerbates everything because you're still trying to process what you've been through, but it's very, yeah. you know, and and family members want you to talk about it, and of course you do want to talk about it, but you might not be ready at that point. Yeah, you, you know, so it's a, a real difficult. It's difficult, isn't it? And it. And I'm hoping that because the way that the way that I've even just seen from the trailers, and I've tried to watch every single one that's out there, yeah. is that it's not making. I didn't, 
I felt I, I was gutted, but I didn't feel sorry. Does that make no, sense? No, no. The, 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 I, I think the movie's really hopeful that it, that it shows that you can, you can bounce back from, from some serious trauma, even if it's, it doesn't even have to be combat trauma. It could be, yeah. You know, none of us, none of us get out of this without some scarring and uh, none of us are going to get out of this alive. So I mean, we're all, we're all going to experience trauma at some point. So I think it's, it's relatable on that side as well really difficult to make a film about this because this subject matter is so could be so delicate at points that you, know, you, you it either could go over the edge where it becomes unwatchable but yeah this doesn't like that no so, no jason did a remarkable life so it's, for me to say kudos it's not this is your life the way you're living it but that's actually really a really good thing yeah i think so <laughs> We'll, we'll say we know so. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so, you know, it, that's a good point to bring up because, you know, there are stigmas, you know, when, when you're talking about PTSD and yeah. the, the veteran suicide rate. And I'm glad that you pointed it out, Chantel, where it's not a pity thing. You know, it's, <clears throat> no. um, it, it is, to me, it's just a really accurate picture of what people are facing when they come home. I mean, um, and everyone reacts differently. And, and in the movie, yeah. w when it comes out, people will watch it and you'll see how for Adam, things went a certain way. Um, and then for some of the other guys that he deployed with, things went a different way. Um, it, in, in many ways, it's, it's destructive. Uh, in many ways, it is not understanding the, the changes that you've gone through and then how yeah. to deal with it. Right. Um, yeah. And then I think the the United States government wasn't prepared to deal with uh, you know X number of of combat veterans coming home and having no. some of these issues and and the way and even as a society I think you know we haven't fully progressed in the area of understanding how to deal with um, issues related to trauma you know you, you yeah. look at the uh, you look at the NFL, right? You know, they're studying Absolutely. NFL players who, who have passed away and they're, they're studying their brains. And I think something like 90% of them have uh, traumatic brain injury. Oh, the yep. TBIs. Yeah. And it's it's just, it's an issue. I mean, you can get TBIs from anything, but. Yeah, yeah. But, Hitting your head on the side of the pool or. Right. Or anything. Yeah. Falling off a bike, but. You know, guys like yourself, uh, you know, men and women going into deploying into combat zones, you know, continuously over a number of years, um, you know, riding over, you know, IEDs or, or being in the yeah. vicinity of a blast, uh, being overly concussed in small spaces. These these blast waves have effects on the human brain. And if you want to think that uh, yep. an NFL player, you know, getting tackled by a huge 250 pound lineman who's fast that will really yeah. kind of you know ring your bell but you know years and years yeah. of, of getting hit by blast wave concussions that that does stuff that we're not even 100 percent sure we don't that we can no, measure it right nope nope i uh when i was and this is a it's uh you can feel these blasts from miles away you can hear them and feel them and and it sucks the wind out of you from from across town and you you just you start realizing what that's like when you're sitting there 10 inches away from it and uh yeah it's uh, how do you study that how do you uh how do you test uh on that so 
Yeah, because the only the only sort of thing I I try and relate it to is the uh, I know it's, it's it's completely the opposite end of the spectrum, but the theory is kind of the same as an earthquake. So you have a Richter scale. Mm-hmm. So when that when the Earth shocked, it reacts a certain way. So yeah. then if you you take that back to the size of a human being, you know, a blast wave potentially is going to have that same enormous effect on such a small because your brain's not massive. You know, it's not no. massive. No. But, but it's very intricate. So I guess, yeah, and, and, and being the sort of munitions, the way that munitions are moving forward and the amount of damage that can, can happen. And like you say, you don't even some people, you don't have to be in direct combat to feel the effects of an explosion. You know, you yeah. Yeah. And even like psychologically for you, I mean, because having a film that, that basically is based on your life is also because – Although it's a, it's a great thing because you can get your experiences are out there, but it can be quite, is it quite scary too? How, how does that feel? Cause yeah. Because it's your well, life. You know, people are going to be looking into your sort of the window of your soul a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a little scary. You know, I uh, uh, mostly I'm just, uh, ap- I was apprehensive about the whole thing, you know, because it's not, uh, it's not a, a glamorous story. It's not. Uh, you know, if anything, it's pretty embarrassing when I look back at it personally, you know, going from from being a, a pretty solid soldier to uh, my life completely falling apart. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, I, I'm worried about the criticism from, you know, the stigma behind mental mental illness in the military. And, I'm you know, that stuff makes me nervous. And uh, but but when I watch the the movie, it's it's uh, it's just so real and and amazing that you know yeah. what it doesn't really bother me if uh, nothing else really matters now. I've I've met some people along this already that are uh, that it's helping. So and that's all that really matters is that it's starting to get some talk going and uh, people are uh, people yes. are really reacting good to it. Yeah, because because that's and I think that's sometimes the best way because say and and I I understand you with what you said going through all of those emotions of being concerned, but as yeah. soon as it says to you that helped me, it goes away, and, and yeah. you know that's that's the best thing because you, you'll always have people that sit there and say nah you know and they they probably got nothing better to yeah. do with life other than to, but that that's usually comes from someone that's not experienced the same stuff as you. So I kind of. What I try and do, again, putting that into perspective, is I look at someone and if their opinion matters, i.e. I'm respectful of what they've done, or yes. and it doesn't be at war, but if it's someone yeah. that I respect, it's like, well, cheers, you know, thanks for turning up, but <laughs> your your opinion doesn't really count. Yeah. That, does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, we, had a, <laughs> we, we had a saying in the Army, everybody, uh, opinions are like buttholes. Everybody's got them and they all stink. <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I've, I've got to ask this before we go, go offline anywhere. How cool is it having the director of, uh, or the sorry, the screenwriter of American Sniper do your story? Uh, it was uh, it was an honor. I uh, I was cool. I was a little bit uh, you know kind of I was like holy smokes when they first told me, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I still don't really believe it. So one of these days I might wake up and this will all be a dream. <laughs> no, you deserve it. It's brilliant. Oh, I just, yeah, it's, he did such a, everybody that worked on it was so amazing. And I, I can't really ask how your life is now because that might ruin the film. So. Oh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. So, and what, how, how are you, what, you know, if, after this sort of, even the process of making this film, how, uh, how, 
are things for you now? Oh, they're great. Uh, you know, not perfect, but uh, yeah. every day, you know, every day is a is a is a learning curve and learning experience. But no, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I hunt and fish a lot. I have a great time with the kids, and uh, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to enjoy all those things I missed when I was uh, deployed. That's Do you it. find most soldiers that you you get most joy out of the sort of natural things in life? You know, I find that. Things like yeah. just being—I don't know—just doing. People would probably call it quite boring, but I quite no, like it. <laughs> no, the the simpler, the simpler, yeah. the better. Uh, you kind of you go back to your to your roots, kind of. You know, it's, I grew up doing that, and those were the 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 memories that I had. You know, when you're when you're in a far off place doing weird things, uh, that's what you think about. So, yeah. so yeah, I just try and focus on that stuff now, and uh, and and just try and. Uh, keep helping myself and helping others when I can. And, uh, yeah. And I'm enjoying the ride of this whole movie thing. And I, you know, I can't really get away with having, if I went back to my childhood, I'd have, I'd have a face covered in mud. So I can't really get, get away <laughs> <Yeah>. with that. <laughs> but you're right. You know, in this, as it, as, as it sort of helps other people and this moves on, well, this is just going to grow this year. So it's going to be quite an exciting year. I imagine. Yeah. I, uh, I better put my seatbelt on. It's, uh, yeah, you better. <laughs> so you, you thought Baghdad was scary. <laughs> yeah, this this might be it's a little bit overwhelming. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So Adam, in your um the in the movie shows the the last part of your last deployment. Uh huh. Um, one thing that it highlights is your role mm -hmm. on some of these patrols where mm -hmm. you were, and, and and it's in the trailer as well, I believe. Um. You your job was to look out for bombs. What was your your official uh, duty on that deployment? Oh, I was just uh, I was just a staff sergeant, infantry squad leader. I was just the the first squad squad leader. Uh, so you know, just as uh, as you know, being the NCO or whatever, you'd be the uh, they'd usually put uh, put me in the front uh, truck for navigation to to run all the routes and do all the uh, you know, kind of leading the convoy uh, through where we needed to go to get from point A to point B, and it, it was a it was a position we switched out on often with with the other you know squad leaders in the platoon. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting that uh, I did all those deployments and uh, personally was never blown up by an IED. Oh wow! Yeah, I uh, actually my convoy was only hit one time out of out of all those deployments it, yeah it's it's weird and and kind of crazy how that works when you spend yeah. so much time there and and the ieds were such a problem um yeah i know you know Chantel when she deployed into afghanistan mm -hmm. ied she was a, a, a medic so oh great right so dealing with you know these blast wound uh yep. injuries from ieds Chantel, did you deal with ieds on your last deployment to afghanistan yeah um, we had a couple of like um, different incidents. Like, I dealt with obviously a lot of um, local national casualties as well as a combat medic. Oh, so, yeah. um, so everyone was kind of getting blown up. But I'll, I'll say this about the the yield of um, IEDs in Afghanistan. Although some of them were huge, you remember in Iraq you had the introduction of EFP, and that was my worst nightmare. EFP, yeah, yeah, that uh, it was those, just those. deadly, you know. Well, you you look at the vehicle afterwards, yeah. 
and awesome. uh, you look at you almost you almost uh, I mean it was it was such a psychological mind job to see a weapon do something like that to to yeah I look back at that and those were uh, those that was uh, they were playing a good psychological warfare with that one that one was yeah. uh, that one was tough because it's almost like um, and this is going to sound really strange maybe to listeners but if you it's almost if you could if I could pick a way of our our patrol or convoy coming under fire it wouldn't be th- from an EFP because you the the way that that you know they would take potentially the two people in the front's legs and yeah and like you say psychologically that was probably yeah. one of the, the biggest yeah there it just it just turned uh, any armor you had into absolute Swiss cheese and there was nothing you could do about it it's yeah. uh, you know with a with a regular you know. Uh, uh, deep buried IED. You had some standoff with the ground, and you just kind of yeah. hope the vehicle got rolled, you know, rolled over, or some shrapnel kind of hit you. But with an EFP, it's uh, uh, that's that's a bad one. Oof yeah. So the, the EFP was was so bad because it 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 like wedged itself into the vehicle before it went off. Is that is that what the deal was? No, no. An EFP is a is an explosively formed penetrator. It's like a they make them, you know, with the it's like a concave disc in the end of a tube. It's a, a usually copper, and the blast uh, turns. You know, they they pack the back of it with explosives, and it's it's directional, and uh, you know they make an array of four or five of these inside of a you know a a block, and they set it on the side of the road. When it goes off, these little copper slugs come out, yeah. and they turn they turn molten, and when they hit armor, it basically cuts through it like a like a welding torch through metal and uh they're going just so fast that it's there's just nothing it can do i've i've seen them go you know i mean it's oh it's it's insane there's no stopping it uh and it just it starts everything on fire the only the only good thing from a medic standpoint for chantel yeah. would be the fact that up, but I they, they they cauterize you know yeah. guys but guys would have their legs blown completely off but it's so hot it cauterizes so they're just sitting there you know barely bleeding that, yeah. that was the only upside to an EFP. Uh, everything else was was absolutely terrifying about him. Yeah, and uh, like a friend of mine, um, his name is Vinny. He lost um, two legs in in that way, and and he said the same. He said the the blood was minimal. If yeah. and if uh, all the like you say, if you could have a positive, which is a ridiculous <laughs> thing, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, you you try and look for the silver lining in anything, and we used to joke around driving around the uh, sector. We would. Everybody would, when we'd get to a hairy spot, you know, we'd be like, all right, we're coming up to the corner. Everybody separate your shit. So we'd, everybody would separate your arms and your legs and you'd move your arms and legs. So you weren't sitting parallel. Cause a lot of times, you know, you're sitting in the truck with your arms on your knees. Well, guys were getting hit with EFPs and losing all four in one shot. So we would always, you know, everybody would kind of separate their limbs. So if an EFP came through, you might only lose one, you know, and that, that became our daily routine is just, uh, you know how many body parts can I come home with today? So it it a psychological process. What the what you just described there is completely normal to you and to to me as a medic. Yeah, but completely abnormal to yeah. You know, if you just sat there at a dinner party and no no one would ever <laughs> know about and said, hey, this is what I used to think about on a daily basis. People yeah. would think that's yeah. They would they would they would recommend you be institutionalized yeah. probably. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's now that I look back at it, it's it's you know we thought it was pretty comical at the time, yeah. but 
you know, you're just trying to, you're just trying to get through your day and that's it. And even at the worst of times, and, and you'll be, I know, I know because I've served a lot of grunts is that you would find <laughs> the, the most humor in the, in the sort of darkest of days. Yeah. Because, because there's no way to lift out of that with any, no. any other than humor. There has to be yeah. something. Yeah. And, and, you know, some of the most serious things we found funny and some of the funniest things we just didn't yeah. find anything, you know, but yeah. Something about that when, when we come home is that, you know, if you say, if you went off and you do your thing, um, Dave goes off and does his thing and you don't have that same, when those moments, those dark moments, you end up do, dealing with them alone and you're, you're too kind of freaked out to tell a wife or a husband. That's, you know, potentially a lot yeah. to do with, why people struggle to to get back into routine because well, there's that squad yeah yeah you're carrying around a, a bag full of weight and yeah. and uh you know being being soldiers we don't want to burden anybody else with that so it's tough to even even unload that especially onto someone you love like your spouse or uh so yeah that's that's what happens is a lot of guys carry that weight around for a long time so yeah i guess it's all about yeah sorry no no go ahead go ahead no, I don't even. I, I was just saying, you know, a lot of this is just about learning how to unpack that bag when you get home. That mental bag. Yeah, uh, you know, it's um the. It's now known as PTSD or PTS, but these yeah. issues have been around for as long as human beings have been fighting wars. They just had Absolutely. different names for them. You know, in the mm -hmm. in the Civil War, they called it Soldier's Heart, and uh, yeah. during the Great Wars, they called it Shell Shock. Um. And it's just different names for it, you know. I mean, if you look at the um, the guys who served in Vietnam, I mean, they really had a raw deal because yeah. after 1968, the the country turned against them. So yeah. they had to deal with what they saw and, and dealt with in combat and, and you know, in a, a difficult terrain in the jungle and then come yeah. home to getting spit on and, and constantly yeah, getting, society yeah. didn't even appreciate what they had just done, you know, and they, and they had to do it pretty much involuntary, you know, they were drafted and sent to do it, you know, and that's, I, they, they got the, the rawest deal of it all. And it would be, yeah, yeah it was, I couldn't imagine coming home like that. How do you feel? Where do you feel like we are now? I know, I know I'm in the UK and we have these, you know, we, we've both both our countries have had quite um, divisive kind of um, elections of late and all of that stuff with people disagreeing with different things. How, what are you? What's what's the feeling like? And this is to you and John. You know, what, where do you feel like we're at as soldiers coming home? Ooh. I know it's a tough one, isn't it? See the fact that you have to think about it. <laughs> uh, oh boy, I don't know. I think. Uh... You know, if we're 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 a we're a country that uh, that likes to uh, help, and uh, helping means going to conflicts and and putting ourselves in positions where we have to put men and women in combat. And I don't know, as a society, I think uh, I think people need to to recognize that that is uh, that's you know you elect these officials and these officials uh, choose to do these things. So in a way, we're all kind of responsible for each other. So. We got to figure it out, you know, how to bridge the gap between the the soldier and the civilian, and and realize what an important asset that is to have uh, to be able to live in a in a in countries that provide uh, the freedoms that we we all enjoy. Right, because in a lot of places in the world, it's really not like that, and people 
you know, people are kind of in their bubble, right? You're stuck in the yeah. American bubble, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you, you go to Africa, you go to places in South America, Central America, you go to Southeast Asia, and in a lot of places, like, people don't have clean drinking water, you know? And yeah. when people are in those type of conditions, uh, in extreme poverty or below poverty, they will commit acts of violence to do what they think is needed to survive. So, um, you know, places where people or countries are at or below the poverty line, the, the violence levels are astronomically high. And that's one thing that in the majority of America, we don't have that problem. I mean, there are, there are places in this country that are, you know, poor and, and, um, psychologically the areas are in a really bad situation, but for the majority of the country, I don't think it's like that. And I think people take that for granted because you're used to it, you know? Um, You know, I mean, like without getting too political, I mean, you have situations where, you know, people feel a certain animosity towards, you know, police officers, Um, you know, and, and, and there's all different, each situation is different. I, I don't think you could generalize it, but, um, you know, you'll see the same situation uh, or you see a different situation with the same group where someone gets hurt or someone gets killed or something. And the first thing they'll do is call 911. Right. So yeah. Yeah. the the reality is, is in that situation, you're you're in the bubble. And the second that you need to call 911, you get out of the bubble just for a second and you realize how important certain things that are provided to you in this country are. And I just feel like um, you know, one thing that might help people is if they maybe, maybe they, I mean, maybe it's not plausible for them to do it, but maybe getting a little travel time in and seeing how the re- people live in the rest of the world will just give you some perspective. Yeah, for sure. It may, it may, and it's kind of, for me, definitely, you know, I appreciate the, um, the things when I come home to be able to, the liberties that I have and, um, and, and more often than not, you know, the, sometimes when I'm faced with people who, who again, I, we, I spoke about these opinions before, where, and their opinions have come from just um, news articles, and they haven't really, they had, they can't follow up with anything. You know, they may have experienced themselves, and it's just they've read something, and then that's it. That swayed them a certain way, and I mean, and we, and we all, ha- we're all having our issues, I think, in, in doing that. And I'm hopeful that films like this, yeah, can, can make you know, make positive that negativity and yeah. say, you know, have a look at this because the people just didn't go out to Afghanistan or they didn't go to Iraq or Somalia. And then, and all of a sudden just come back because they, they fancied a bit of time off work. You know, this yeah. is, this is very real. And the, and the thing is the world's not getting any better. <coughs> no, it's, uh, you it's, know, uh, we, we, always, we always appear to be on the cusp of some war somewhere. Yeah, right. And- I, uh, you know, I was, I deployed. Oh, are you guys still there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, when I deployed in 2003, my, my wife was three months pregnant. I came home to a, you know, a six month old or a five month old. And in, in two and a half years, she can uh, raise her right hand and, and wear the uniform and uh, end up deployed to the same spots I was. And that's, that's scary. And I seen from the, uh, the um, trailer, she doesn't like chocolate. No, she does. She, they were, yeah, no, they they were just trying to make the the point. That, you know, so much changes in in you know whether you do a six month deployment or a, a fifteen month deployment that 
you're not there every day and, and stuff changes and, and you try and jump right back into where you left off. And, uh, and it's, it's awkward sometimes. And, and also, it's, um, well, from what I could see from the, the, the sort of the small clips that I did see is that it does show the, the really important role that spouses play, you know, is that yeah. people that they're at home and they're playing either mum and dad, you know, whoever's Absolutely. away. And that, again, it's almost, um, that's not easy either, you know. It's, so no. that's like an, a whole separate subject again. But it, when those it two, could, yeah. sort of, you know, the amount of understanding and stuff, it's yeah, it's a complex, it's a complex thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, so you know, we got to wrap this up, but you know, Adam, I just want to thank you for doing this. I know you guys are extremely busy. Uh, you know on the media circuit and talking to different people. And um, we really appreciate you doing this. And we appreciate, I, I appreciate this movie. I know Chantel will when she gets to see it. Um, yeah, but I'm going to cry. No, I'm going to cry. Oh, no. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's, bring, wear waterproof mascara. Bring tissue. <laughs> um, I've got some. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's an incredible movie. It It is a, a very realistic view into what it's like uh, for a guy like Adam coming back, you know, after multiple deployments and, and, and various men and women like him and, and just some of the difficulties that they have to face when returning home. And like we said before, it's, it's not a pity thing at all. It's just a realistic uh, picture that's painted. Yeah. And, you know, the, the name of the film is thank you for your service. Um, and Adam, I would like to thank you for your service as well for everything you've done for this country. You know, we we certainly appreciate it. That was my pleasure, and uh, I'd be happy to do it all over again. It's been an honor talking to you, Adam. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Likewise. Good time talking with Adam and hearing directly from him about his experiences in Iraq and his experiences while making the movie and how it's helped him and being able to kind of relive some of those memories on the big screen, but it's done in a way that it's going to really help and, and open people's eyes on how uh, these things take place, how they unfold and, and what people face when they're dealing with brain injuries and post-traumatic stress. Um, so really incredible movie. Check it out. We have a conversation with the director of the movie, Jason Hall, uh, that'll be released in a couple of days, so be on the lookout for that. As usual, I encourage you to subscribe, like, share, download these episodes with your friends and family. Uh, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or Apple Podcast if you're listening on your mobile device. Uh, check out my website. It's www.globalrecon.net. My Instagram account is igrecon. The second account is Black Ops Matter. Uh, Chantel Taylor is on mission underscore critical. Her Facebook account is Battle Warren, the memoirs of a combat medic in Afghanistan. And we'll see you guys in a couple of days with another episode. Peace. <laughs>